we know what these supposed prophets and shepherds were doing. Uh, or, or we know what they weren't doing. They weren't building up the wall. They weren't standing in the gaps. They weren't standing in battle. But what were they doing? We know what they weren't doing. They weren't doing the job of a faithful shepherd, and they weren't doing the job of a truthful prophet. So what were they doing? Well, rather than building up and protecting, they were actually destroying and doing it by deception. They weren't, they weren't walking around with weapons or anything like that. It's just the sharp deception of the tongue. What they would say, what they wouldn't say. But their deception was wrought on a very willing audience. They had an audience that was open to deception, willing to receive deception. These guys, these uh, false prophets in Ezekiel's day, and they weren't new, they were before him and, as well, and we certainly have them uh, today also. They were the equivalent of um, someone, you know, I, I spent, I don't know, 16, 17 years in the business <laughs> world. Uh, it would be the equivalent of someone selling you a stock of a company that actually doesn't exist. But you think it does exist, or you're just so excited about the prospect of you, you all of a sudden hitting it rich that you don't really care to investigate, is this true or not? And even so, some of the things that, 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 that the guy's telling you don't seem, that, that seems a little odd, that seems like it doesn't, that just seems like it doesn't seem to square with everything. Ah, that's okay, the, the prospect of it being true is too good, so I don't really need to know anything else. Someone's selling you something that doesn't really exist. By the way, I've kind of come to the conclusion that the vast majority of infomercials fall in this category. I've bought a few of them in my lifetime. I don't buy them anymore. The claims are outlandishly good. You ever notice that? They give fine print on the bottom. FDA has not approved. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. But the buyers of what these guys were selling they were more than willing to buy into the false promises. They were more than willing to say, you're selling something that doesn't exist, we want to buy it anyway. It sounds too good. It sounds great. It sounds like we, exactly what we're hoping for. Uh, Matthew Henry also said, um, he said, it is observable, this is a great insight as well, he said, it is observable that Israel was never imposed upon by pretenders to prophecy till after they had rejected and abused the true prophets. Afterwards, they were never deluded by counterfeit messiahs until after they had first rejected the true messiah. Kind of an Old, Old Testament, New Testament parallel there. If you understand, again, the Bible, one loaf of bread with two halves, the Old Testament, New Testament. His observation, and it's true, in the Old Testament... Now, this took place before Ezekiel's time because they had already abused uh, the righteous prophets. Jeremiah, being a little bit older uh, than Ezekiel, was already being abused. And prior to him, Isaiah had already been sawn in two. Many other prophets had been abused and rejected uh, already. But go back far enough, and of course, Jesus takes us all the way back to Abel. So Abel was also rejected uh, at the very first, in the very first family. But in Israel... They did not have the false prophet problem until they first rejected the true prophets. Then Jesus comes along, 
and Jesus is the true prophet, greater than Moses. He is the Son of God. And after they reject the Messiah, then they were willing to follow, and people still are today, false messiahs. It would have never dawned on the disciples. Think of that whole false messiah that came, all the false messiahs. Jesus said, many will come in my name. False Christ will arise. Of course, he, in Matthew chapter 24, there in the Olivet Discourse, he spoke of the many false prophets that would come in his name specifically in the latter days. It would have never dawned on the disciples. Uh, I tried to put myself in their shoes. As a matter of fact, sitting there on the Mount of Olives when we were in Israel just thinking, what were they thinking as they heard these teachings? It would not have dawned on them that they saw basically two responses to Jesus. Complete rejection of him and hatred and people who ran and followed him. Now, now whether they follow him in their hearts, like we talked about on Sunday, that's a different story because Jesus said, remember, foxes have holes, birds of the earth have nests. Uh, Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He, he challenged where their heart really was, take up your cross and follow me, things like that. But nevertheless, they saw basically two responses to Jesus. People that would readily listen, and like the Pharisees and religious leaders that hated Jesus, what they didn't envision at that time was people who would actually use Jesus' name and have a completely false representation of Christ altogether. They would not be followers of Christ, but they wouldn't be you know, trying to you know, crucify the apostles necessarily. They wouldn't have envisioned like the Mormon church or the Jehovah's Witnesses. They wouldn't have envisioned an organization that's actually called the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. The name of the Mormon church has, invokes Jesus specifically, but they don't trust in the same Jesus, right? They don't believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe that he's equal to the Father. They don't believe that he is one with the Father, that he, in fact, is the Father. They don't believe what you know, the Scriptures tell us, that one of his name is Everlasting Father, right? Prince of Peace. Jesus is God. He's equivalent to the Father, and he actually, in, in the Trinity that I can't comprehend, and neither can you, he actually is the Father, and he is the Son. And he is the Holy Spirit, and yet they're distinct, and yet they're one, and he has that equality. But they never would have envisioned that there would be large numbers of people. And I believe, I believe it's the Mormon church. There's actually more people now in the Mormon church than there are that we know for certain people that are Jewish in the world. And they, would not have under, they wouldn't have seen that coming. But there had to be the rejection of the true before there would be many false. That makes sense? There had to be the rejection first of the true, then many false will come after it. Once the truth is rejected, be warned, America, once the truth is rejected, you will fall for many, 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 many lies. Once the truth is rejected. Once people have rejected truth, God says, all right, doors fling open. The enemy comes in like a flood with all kinds of deception. Let's look, if you're taking notes, we have two things that we'll uh, look at tonight. Uh, last week, we had, looked at, we had looked at foolish and failing. Tonight, we'll just look at false and furious. Again, if you're taking notes, just false and furious. In Matthew 7, 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They may be well-dressed, 
They usually are, by the way. Depends on what kind of um, motif they're trying to uh, speak to. They, they usually mirror exactly who they're trying to reach, but nevertheless, they might be really well-dressed. They might be very well-spoken. Or they might speak again. If they're trying to reach a, a, a culture with a lingo, they'll have the right lingo, whether it's well-spoken, right lingo. They might be really well-educated. But if they present a false representation of God's word, the exterior, you know, sheep look really nice, but if inside they're actually wolves, they can do a lot of damage. As most of you, if you know a wolf is running through your backyard, are probably going to stay inside. If it's a sheep, you might realize, oh, it's so cute, right? If it's actually a wolf, it's too late. It's on you. Deceptive. They look good on the outside, but they have a very... What Jesus is saying here is they have an incredibly destructive impact because people perceive them as something they're not. They think, oh, that's a sheep. I'm a sheep. They're a sheep. We're both sheep. And Jesus said, they're not a sheep. They are well-versed in deceptive practices. The scriptures are clear that when it comes to prophets and shepherds sharing the word of God, um, in, in my view, there's, there's basically four ways that they take the word of God and deceive people. Four things. And the scriptures warn us about each of them. The first is don't add to the word of God. Amen? Don't add to the Word of God. The Word of God does not need anyone's help, doesn't need Joseph Smith to come along and add to it. It doesn't need any... And by the way, these other, um, these other religions that have sprung up, notice that their editions of the Bible come hundreds, even thousands of years after the Bible. That ought to be the first clue to the people that... The scripture tells them not to add to the word of God. And along comes someone and says, I've got another chapter or another book that adds on. Oh, by the way, it actually completely contradicts the rest of it. It says in Proverbs 30, verse 6, Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Proverbs 30, verse 6. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be be found a liar. Of course, in Revelation, Revelation 22, 18, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues written in the book. Yes, that applies specifically to the book of Revelation, but it also applies to the whole word of God because the, all of Scripture is called prophetic. It's all prophecy. Um, all of it. Now, as far as future prophecy, but Prophecy and it's all God breathed. You don't add to any of it, or the plagues could be added unto the person adding. So, one, don't add to his word. Two, don't take away from his word. You can't add to it, nor can you take away from it. Revelation 22 19, if anyone takes away from the words of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. That's a pretty heavy price to pay, isn't it? You can't be in the book of life if you start to take away from the word of God, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. 
So you can't take away from the Word of God as well. Uh, next one is um, not to twist the Word. Not to twist the Word. You know, Paul warned of this. Uh, Paul warned of this. Uh, or I'm sorry, Peter warned of this related to Paul. And he's, Peter said, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved uh, brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, and all his epistles, speaking in these things, on which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the Scriptures. That's uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 15 and 16. So Peter tells us that twisting the Scripture, so you can't add to the Word of God, you can't take away from the Word of God, you cannot twist the Word of God to make it fit what you want it to fit. By the way, you could take individual verses and really build a false doctrine. That's why you have to know the whole Word of God. It all explains itself. You could make a crazy, uh, a crazy doctrine out of anything. I read a book, I read a verse about an ox, and I've decided to, you know, whatever. I've decided to create an entire religion off that one verse, Right? <laughs> The whole count twisting the scripture. And even Peter says some of the things Paul writes are difficult to understand. Well, until you understand them, don't add to them or take them away. Let them marinate. But do not twist them. Say, well, I don't understand it, so I'll just make it up. What I, what I want it to mean. What I think it should mean. And then lastly, the fourth one. So don't add to the word. Don't take away from the word. Don't twist the word. And the last one, which many, many many hirelings are guilty of right now today, don't withhold the word. Oh, I didn't twist it. I didn't add to it. I didn't take away from it. There's just a whole lot of verses I'll never read in public to any person on planet earth. Why do you think God wrote them? I don't know. I'll find out when I get there. You might not get there to find out. Jesus is going to say to many, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we preach Sunday after Sunday? I was on a lot of radio stations. I had a TV station. I had this. I had that. I had this. And God says, yeah, and there's entire passages that you refuse to share because it would have impacted your popularity. And you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have got as much money or as many pats on the back. This was a problem with the prophets in Ezekiel's day. A lot of times they would withhold what the true prophets have were saying. And this, in Acts 20, verse 27, Paul said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. Everything God says, you know, you want the good news or the bad news? Do you want the whole truth, nothing but the truth? With, when it comes to being a follower of God, you have to give all of it. You can't say, well, I'm not going to give the parts I think are going to really be bothersome to people. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it, don't twist it, and don't withhold it. A false prophet, they do one or more of the following with God's truth. And it really falls into under four, all four, it falls into one of the four categories I mentioned, but in the way we see it lived out, uh, false prophets, they twist the truth, they hide the truth, they deny the truth, they ignore the truth, they resist the truth. How about this one? They will mock the truth. They'll mock it sometimes. 
just make light of it, make fun of the Word of God. They'll soften it, soften it. It doesn't really have that much impact. Take away its sword power, make it a blunt butter knife. They'll withhold it, they'll try and change it, and this has happened down through the ages, they'll try and modify it to the times and the culture to make sure it's palatable for everybody. These are the things that these unfaithful shepherds will do. Turn with me to uh, take a um, left-hand turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. I want to show you how um, there's, met, there's so many passages we could look at, but I want to show you how important this is to God, that his people understand the affront to him of withholding truth, marginalizing the truth, modifying the truth, not sharing it at all, and just coming up with things that they know that people will want to hear, but is not coming from God. By the way, I could be incredibly, incredibly popular with a lot of people. There's, I know there's things that people would love to hear. Love to hear. You can draw a crowd if you tell them, this faith, you are going to be, I, I prompt, God wants you to be wealthy. He, want, he wants you to have all of your most wildest fantasies. God wants to do that for you more than anything else. Try preaching that to our brothers and sisters in North Korea. Try preaching that to our brothers and sisters in northern Iraq and Syria. Try preaching that to our brothers and sisters in Central Africa, Somalia, Sudan, parts of Nigeria. You have to have the right conditions for that gullible message to work. But most of the conditions of the world, it won't work. It works here because we're blessed by incredible prosperity. I would, I, a billion people on planet Earth, a billion people on planet Earth, I believe, um, uh, a billion people on planet Earth are in complete abject poverty. Complete, I mean, just poverty we can't even comprehend. One billion people on planet Earth. Many of those folks in some of those villages are also believers. Not many of them, I don't know how many of that, but in those same places you've got believers. They'll never realize that God wants to lavish them with a new BMW. Because that's actually not God's plan for them. His plan is to conform them to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they get to heaven, their rewards will be great because their life is but a vapor. That's what Jesus, where you, if you're in our Luke study on Sunday, Jesus said that all that other stuff, you weren't guaranteed any of it. So to preach that is to preach against the very teachings of Jesus. Do you understand, do you understand the high treason that is? Jesus said, come and follow me. And by the way, I don't even have any place to lay my head, but that's that's the bottom line. I'll, I'll guarantee you this. You'll have me, but I'm not guaranteeing you'll ever have anything of material possession. Someone else says, but that's not what he meant. He actually meant you, you were supposed to have a lot. Now, that doesn't mean that God does that with everybody. We understand that, right? None of us here uh, are living in, on a dirt floor. All of us have a home, including me. God has been gracious and he's blessed, but that's not a guarantee. And Jesus taught that that is not what we should be expecting we simply expect to be conformed to his image. And anything he gives us, we're to be stewards with to do what? To reach more people for the gospel. Anything else, 
he's going against his teaching. Well, this wasn't new. It's happening today. Uh, and in Jeremiah's day, of course, they despised Jeremiah, the leaders and the rulers, especially the religious leaders. And the, 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 the people that hated Jeremiah the most, the political leaders, sound familiar? And the religious leaders. Jeremiah chapter 23, starting with verse 16. All right, this is God speaking, so you don't have to have any doubt. God's opinion on the matter, here you go. Jeremiah 23, verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those, listen to what he says, they say, you have to have a willing audience for false prophets to have a great successful career. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. That sound great? These prophets know their audience. They know the audience despises the Lord. They know the audience does not want a life of sacrifice. They do not want an intimate walk with the Lord. They do not want to worship the Lord. And so they know that what they need to tell them is God doesn't want you to worry about any of that stuff. He wants to give you peace, pleasures, and provisions, and all he wants to is lavish you. And God says, I didn't say that, and they didn't come from me. Verse 21, drop down to verse 21. We'll come back to verses 18 through 20, but drop down to verse 21. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned from their evil way and from these evil doings. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Can anyone hide himself in the secret places so I shall not see him? Says the Lord, do I not fill heaven and earth? God sees all this taking place. None of it's escaping his, his attention. Turn over to, um, go left again to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 56. Again, just to give you an idea of what the Lord has to say in a few other passages. There's much in the scriptures about this. So many verses, so many teachings on understanding false from truth, and there's so many false prophets out in the world trying to deceive. You know, Satan, he counts on people's flesh, but he also has to have ringleaders that gather them all together and further tie them up in cords, further, further bound, bind them up, if you will, in deception. Uh, look at Isaiah chapter 56, starting in verse 9. All you beasts of the field come devour, and you beasts in the forest. Why is it saying that? Well, it's saying that, uh, remember what in our own passage in Ezekiel 13, by not filling the gaps, we talked about wild animals could come in, criminals could come in, military can come in, because these, these particular type of prophets and false prophets, they leave the people vulnerable to be destroyed by, and Satan's called, the lion that's seeking whom he may devour, right? So we see this picture of all you beasts of the field come and devour the demonic world as well. They come and devour people. But look at verse 10. These are supposed to be the people 
looking out for the people. These are supposed to be those people leading them in righteousness. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Pastors that should be barking from time to time won't bark at all. They're slumbering. They're asleep until the Lord would return. Yes, they are greedy. But some are not just sleeping. Some are greedy. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which, have never, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They're shepherds that don't know the Word of God. Actually don't want to know the Word of God either. They all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain, from his own territory, or you can put in his own ministry, right there, his own territory, his own special place. Come, one says, I'll bring wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today. God's never going to make us, there's never going to be a judgment coming. Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundant. Just very fleshly. That's what that last verse is. People that live for the flesh. They live for the flesh. They don't live under the Spirit. They have not the Spirit of God. They live unto the flesh. Peter. Turn over to, first, turn over to Peter. Second Peter. Go New Testament. Peter had a few things to say as well. Peter was never one to mince words anyway, so it'd be quite appropriate that God would give him some of the things to say that he says in 2 Peter. Peter has a few things to say about him. 2 Peter chapter, well, he has a lot to say. 2 Peter chapter 2, starting verse 1, he's speaking of the uh, Old Testament here as well, but he says, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Sadly, look at verse 2, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blaspheme. How do they do it? By covetous words. They will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle. Their destruction does not slumber. Though they may slumber, they may be guilty, they may be greedy, they may be appealing to people's fleshly nature, they may actually allow people to do any kind of sin they want and tell them, God's okay with that. As long as, as, long as you're in a committed relationship, God doesn't care what it looks like. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> You've got to remember, he, he created Adam and Eve back in the garden, didn't he? He set the rules, and he doesn't change them. As long as you're in a committed relationship, Try that with any, two teenagers, hey, God doesn't care what you two do together as long as you're committed to each other. Does he care? Of course he cares. Fornication he hates, adultery he hates, homosexuality he hates, all of these things. Does he hate sinners? No, not in the sense that he sent his only begotten son to die for all of us, amen? But you, you can't change the word of God. You can't use deceptive things that will actually say, I know if these people like what they're hearing, then they'll like me then I get ahead, they benefit, I benefit. Symbiotic relationship of false teacher and those that are actually wanting to hear it. Dr. Michael Brown, he's friends with, uh, you might hear his radio program sometimes, he's friends with uh, my friend Sam Nadler, both are Messianic Jewish 
believers. Dr. Michael Brown, he said there's, he has a five-point list uh, for the modern, he calls them ear ticklers. One, they bypass self-denial and the cross. Very little preaching of the cross, very little preaching on denying oneself and actually that, that brokenness and in, in, in coming to the cross. Number two, they go light on sin, if they even preach on sin in some cases anymore. Light on sin. Number three, they're loved by the world. They're loved by the world. We've got some pastors that Oprah adores, absolutely adores them. Why is that? Because she doesn't believe in the true Christian faith. She doesn't believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And again, I, I hope Oprah comes to know the Lord as her Lord and Savior. God died for her. You know, we, should, I, we pray for all these folks. I'm not saying that with any... I would love for her to be one that says, I have put my full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in no other. That's not the case. I've, I've, I've watched her clip myself. And said, but again, she adores uh, some of the pastors out there. And again, if the world loves you, Jesus said, that's a big warning sign. If the world loves you, you really ought to check. Why do they love you? Because they certainly didn't love Jesus, did they? Mm-mm. Did they love Paul? Nope. Ezekiel? No. Daniel? No. Peter? No. Jude? No. I'll stop. But you get the idea. None of those men were loved. They were all, all the disciples were martyred, except for John. They tried to dip him in oil. He didn't die because God supernaturally kept him alive, so they shipped him off to Isle of Patmos. None of these guys. So number three, loved by the world. And to that point, Charles Spurgeon said, he said, that very church which the world likes best is sure to be that which God abhors. Spurgeon said, that very church that the world likes best is sure to be that which God abhors. And by the way, we we don't try and do things to make the world dislike us. Quite the opposite. We want to walk in joy and in love and embracing people, and loving people. You don't have to do anything. Uh, look at our brothers and sisters that are being killed in North Korea or being killed in Iran. Those are some of the most kind, loving people on planet Earth, and they are hated with a passion, right? Why? Because they're out marauding the neighborhood? No. Pastor Saeed was there to establish orphanages. What kind of monster establishes orphanages? Why is Pastor Saeed hated? Because he's a mean, bigoted, angry... No, if you've ever seen... Every picture, he's got this huge smile. He was helping little children, and the Iranian government hated him for it. Just like Stephen. Just like Jesus. All what Jesus was doing, he was just healing people. He was casting out demons. We need to kill this guy. He's making people's lives really good. Loved by the world. Number four, they tell the flesh what it wants to hear. They tell the flesh what it wants to hear. And there's a lot of things that the American hearers now want to hear. And these guys know the buttons to push. You would know them too, but you'd have to abandon your faith. And that's not worth it, is it? And the fifth one, they get away from the Word of God and give way to myths or their own philosophies. They, give, they get away from the Word of God. Many of these guys now 
I just promote their own philosophies. Tozer said, promoting self under the guise of promoting Christ is currently so common as to exact little notice. To excite little notice. Promoting, uh, promoting self under the guise of promoting Christ is currently so common as to excite little notice. And if that was true in Tozer's day, it's far more true in our day because that was uh, you know, back in the um, earlier in the 20th century. The church, the New Testament word for the word church, it means called out, come out, to be different. These prophets in Ezekiel's day in chapter 13, God says that what they spoke was, in verse 8, he says, you've spoken nonsense. You've envisioned lies. He uses the word false divination. Divination. You're actually... Some of, uh, again, some of the impetus that's, that's coming behind these men, and they don't necessarily know it, because a lot of false prophets, they don't know the darkness they're in. Divination was related to the occult world. So even the demonic realm is the one, is the rail tracks in which they're riding. Does that make sense? It's the demonic realm, deceptive things that come from the angel of darkness himself, from Satan, the false prophets in Ezekiel's day, God says, your false divination, your nonsense, your lies. You know, when you need some, when you need really important advice, you, you need really important advice. You, let's say you have a great mom and dad. You need great advice, and they give you gibberish nonsense. When you came for, you needed real advice, and someone just gave you nonsense, said, I'll give you a not-not joke. No, I never, I really need real advice. How about a knock-knock joke? If you watch some of the guys that are uh, doing this stuff, their entire kind of repertoire is a bunch of knock-knock jokes, in a sense. It's entertaining, but it's nonsense. It, the Lord did not send us to give a bunch of nonsense. I love humor. You guys know. The more you know me, I, I love to laugh. But the Word of God, we need to give what God wants the world to hear. They'll get enough humor, not that we should never have humor, I love to have humor, but they're going to get a lot of humor everywhere else. God says, from me, yeah, it has its place, but don't give nonsense. Give the truth. Beyond that, they have the false divination, they have the demonic realm behind them, they have their lies, and therefore the Lord says, therefore, indeed, I am against you. Imagine you're, you're a shepherd and a prophet, and you're in the pulpit, and God is actually against you. He's at the other end of the door, squarely against you. But you continue to, yeah, he's, by his grace, you're allowed to continue to say what you want, do what you want. These prophets, they were telling, uh, so Israel had a major problem. Babylon really was going to come. And... Babylon, you know, the ancient armies, you see all these atrocities that, that ISIS is doing, beheading people, crucifying people, just, you know, raping, pillaging, enslaving people. All the ancient armies did all of that. Everybody understand? That's why they call even what ISIS is doing a return of the Dark Ages. You'll, you'll see some of these uh, terms, return of the Middle Ages, and even farther back than that. You know, this was common. The, uh, the Assyrians were brutal. The Babylonians were brutal. 
Uh, and when they would actually, you know, come and destroy a village, uh, many times they would raise it to the ground completely, just, just grind it into powder, burn everything, torture many people to death, not just kill some, but torture them to death, all of that stuff. So Babylon has already taken over much of the, you know, of the world, in the known world there in the, in, the, uh, in the Middle East, and they're coming towards Israel, and they've already taken uh, parts of uh, the area all around Jerusalem, and they're coming, and so far they haven't touched Jerusalem. And they have been told by Jeremiah, God is going to send Babylon. They're going to come and destroy. The people need to repent. The people need to repent. Remember they did Jeremiah? They threw him in the dungeon. We don't need to hear you anymore. Instead, we've got a bunch of guys that dress like Jeremiah. Maybe they actually wear the same outfits as Jeremiah, put a hundred of them out there, and these guys wind them up, and they'll tell you, don't worry, God is for us. We will never have any, we'll never have any problems. Not only are you going to keep your house, you're going to get to upgrade. Not only are you going to keep that car, you're going to get three more cars. Not, you know, all of those kind of things, and just continually telling people, not only are you going to continue to have good health, God's going to give you wealth on top of it. And all vacations of your wildest dreams, Babylon's not interested in Jerusalem. Babylon's not interested in Jerusalem at all. They'll never come here. God, God has his blessing on this place because we have the temple. And because we have the temple, and because we have, and God we trust on our dollar bill, right? God will never bother us. He'll, he, that's for the other people. Or they just lull them to sleep and just have them, how about this one? Don't even think about Babylon. Pretend it doesn't exist. Just put it out of your mind. 24-7, think about other things, but just put it out of your mind. It doesn't exist. It won't be a problem. And these men were saying, peace, verse 10, because indeed they have seduced my people. God says they're, they're, they're seductive in their approach. They constantly, they have a, they have a pattern. They know how they're get, they're, it's sinking in. They know that they're lulling the people to sleep. They know they have some that don't even think about the future. It's the same way Satan does with people's soul. Isn't everyone going to die someday? Yesterday, world-famous fashion designer Oscar De La Rente died. 82 years old. Remember when we lived in Miami, my wife met him. I, was, I, I thought, I, was, I said, hey, you, Oscar Delarno, you, you met him in college, remember? Down in Miami, big, big fashion area. And, you know, just the last couple of weeks, you got a, like a Joan Rivers died. And, you know, early in the summer, uh, Robin Williams uh, took his own life. And uh, all the time, someone in the news, everyone's going to die. And most people, they put all that out of their mind. And yet, they spend a lot of time thinking about their nest egg retirement, Will we, have a, will we have a really nice home when we retire? Uh, what, uh, how will my health be? All these things. And God says, hello, neon sign. How about S-O-U-L, soul? I don't want to worry about that. I, I do, do not want to think about soul because that lasts forever. I'd rather think about this box, which is my bank account or my life or my health. Or, and God says, if you don't think about the soul, that other stuff isn't going to matter at all. But Satan lulls people to sleep, so don't think about that at all. Don't think about the soul. Don't think about your eternity. Don't think about those things. Don't think about the real things that God wants to warn. See, God was telling these guys, 
if you're really of me, if you really were of me, you would have been putting strong mortar on the walls, patching up those places. Instead, you're putting your slipshod mortar, which is not mortar at all. As soon as a little rain comes, it's gone. He's given that picture of instead of putting up the walls, and we looked at Nehemiah some where they really did rebuild the walls, these men were not strengthening the walls at all. In fact, they were actually tearing the walls down, and the Lord will tear it down completely in his fury. Let's take a look. Um, by the way, one more verse. These false prophets, remember, uh, they want to preserve the very things that bring themselves pleasure, and they want to speak to that same lust for pleasure to their hearers. But the false prophets, they will become whatever they believe the hearers want them to become. Whatever the he- they think the hearers want, they will become that. They'll be the chameleon their hearers want, and Paul warned Timothy of this. Of course, Timothy was a pastor, 2 Timothy 4.3. Paul says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own ears, their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. So the teachers that they get are exactly who they want. They both want the same things. They both want the pleasures of life rather than the pleasures of God pleasure of the presence of God. Lying to themselves and lying to the people and God says, I'm indeed against you. You've told them peace. There is no peace. You're building a wall with untempered mortar, mortar that will fail. Sermons that are not really sermons. They're not really true. They're not really warning the people. If you really love somebody, if you really, really love someone, I just saw in the news, uh, I I used to surf for, I don't know, 20 years I was living in South Florida. And just, uh, I, I just heard a story of a guy that, um, uh, I think I read it this week, but he, his board was attacked by a tiger shark in Hawaii. And he saw it coming. At the last, he moved, and the tiger shark snapped the board, big chunk on the board, right? He punched the tiger shark as it went, just to kind of create some space. And by God's grace... Uh, somehow the tiger shark went around and came back and they were able to get to land as the shark was coming back for him to come in. And if they didn't get it just a little bit longer, he would have been taken out completely. Now, if you actually were on the beach and you saw the tiger shark out there before anyone else said, would you warn them or you say, they're having a great time. They look like they're enjoying themselves. Why am I going to mess up their day at the beach? Right? Because if you have any kind of care for someone, you want to warn them. But these men, they didn't want to warn the people. They knew a tiger shark called Babylon was coming. They had no care or concern for it. Let's all eat, drink, and be merry, and we'll take our chances. And that wasn't the Lord's desire one bit. And we see, go back to Jeremiah for just a second. Go back to Jeremiah. I skipped over verses 18 through 20. Let's take a look at what the Lord says here. Very similar language that he gives to Jeremiah if you're taking notes under furious, and we'll come to a close uh, in just a minute, just a couple minutes here. Um, So what does the Lord say to Jeremiah in verses 18 through 20? Remember, just as it says in verse 17, they continually say to those who despise me, you shall have peace, which is not true. And everyone who walks according to the dictates of their own heart, no evil shall come upon you, which was not true. Look at verse 18. 
For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Don't you want to be the people that are standing in the counsel of the Lord? I know I do. And someday I'm going to stand before my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to give an account of every word I've ever said for him. And he's going to say, either well done, good and faithful servant, which I believe, not because <laughs> I am so far from perfect and so are you. Praise the Lord, he'll say, faithful servant. Amen? And the way we stay faithful is just give people God's word. You get real in danger when you start saying, I don't really need to use the word of God. I've got a better plan. No, what does he say? For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? I pray that's each of us. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury. A violent whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it perfectly. Sometimes we won't understand these things until they come, and then we'll understand them how? Perfectly. In the latter days. Fury will come upon Israel because their false prophets did not share what they knew what to say. They knew what Jeremiah had warned. They went the other direction. Jeremiah wasn't popular. He didn't have a lot of Twitter followers. He wasn't getting a lot of Instagram followers. He wasn't getting a lot of Facebook likes. So the other guy said, we want, the, we want the fame. We want the popularity. Isn't it sad when you see ministry people? They want just as much fame and popularity as Hollywood people and athletes and stuff. We shouldn't be craving that stuff as people of God. It's not always. In fact, rarely is it easy doing what God wants us to do. Amen? It's, it's not an easy thing to do what God wants us to do. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. But there's no other option, is there? There's not another option. Is it a good option to say, well, since I can't, I, it's so hard to do what God wants me to say and do what God wants me to do, I decide I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, that's a horrible option. Read the end of the book. There's no other option. The fear and love of the Lord compels us. You either fear the Lord or you fear everything else. Fear the Lord and the love of the Lord. Yeah, I, I want to do a message in the near future about just uh, being compelled by the love of the Lord. I, I'm not talking about works-based. Uh, don't, don't get yourself. Just, just spend time with Jesus, and you'll not deviate from his word. Isn't that great? Uh, I will not do anything wrong. I'll not do anything wrong. You soon say that, you can do something wrong immediately. Just spend time with him. Don't make big. You know, it's the same way with our diet. It's hard to make big. I'm never going to eat another cupcake. Like 10 minutes later, I'm eating a cupcake. Right? When you make these kind of really dumb, just say, Lord, give me your strength. And stop making these big, bold statements. Peter did that, and it got him in a lot of trouble. I will not deny you. I will not deny you. Deny, deny, deny. And add a curse word in there just to make sure everyone understands it. We know many things about God, but there's two things we can never forget. Two things we can't forget. He sent his son for us, because he loves us and because we were headed for certain judgment without his sacrificial atoning death. There's no other reason that Jesus came. He came because he loved us and he came to save us from 
the torment of eternal punishment. That's why he died. I've had this discussion with both Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Say, why would Jesus, are you telling me you think that Jesus would suffer and die just so I just cease to exist? No. It was to save us from something. That alone should be enough. But number two, he sent his son because he loves us and we were headed for certain judgment. But number two, here's the other thing about God that we can't forget. One, he sent his son because he loved us and we were headed for judgment. Number two, God's holiness will never be altered. Does everyone understand the holiness of God? It doesn't alter, right? It's kind of like you can get mad at the, you know, think about how far away the sun is. You can get mad at the sun all day long, but you can't move it one inch, can you? It burned my skin. I'm so mad at it. You ever got mad at a door that you jammed your hand in or something? The door doesn't care, right? You kick the door, doesn't have any impact on the door. Maybe if you wanted to take the door off the hinges and throw it in a fire, then you'd feel like you got your vengeance. But you can't do that with the sun, and you can't do that with God. His holiness can't be altered. He is the same. Therefore, we either fear him, who will someday judge the world in righteousness, or we don't. And these prophets chose to cast their lot with their own flesh and deceive the people. And Peter tells what's going to happen to them. In 2 Peter 2.21, he said, For it would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Peter said it would be better if they had never been born. That's sad. The fury of the Lord will come. Verse 16, that is, the prophets of Israel who prophesy... Uh, he, says, he says to them, the wall is no more, nor those who plastered it. He'll destroy the wall, he'll destroy them. By the way, I don't want any of the false teachers that are around that are alive in our life, I don't want any of them to die and go to hell. I want all of them to repent and keep praying for them. Some of these guys started out on the right track and have gotten off the rails, and now they're lovers of money rather than lovers of God. They're lovers of pleasure, and that's why they'll compromise. You know, I just saw this week the leader of Hillsong won't take, I won't say yes, I won't say no about same-sex marriage. What? Say that about the gospel then. We don't have to say yes to Jesus or say no to him. Doesn't work, does it? We have to be guardians of the truth. Why? Not because we're better than everyone else, but because we represent our Father. And he's not embarrassed of his word. By the way, God is not embarrassed of his word. Does everyone understand that? Jesus is not embarrassed of his word. So he says, it's my precious word. It's my love letter to mankind. Don't run from it. Share it with people. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we, we just thank you for this time this evening. And Lord, we do pray for those, uh, Lord, those that are in false religions, those that are in cults, those that are representing you that have begun to water down the truth or run from it or hide it or, or suppress it uh, in unrighteousness, as Paul wrote. And Lord, we know that you said in James 3.1, let not many become teachers, knowing that they will receive a stricter judgment. And Lord, we know that there will be a strict judgment on all those that have stood up in pulpits or in the position of prophets and shepherds and Lord, if they have not rightly represented you, they'll be held to a higher standard. I'll be held to a higher standard. And Lord, we pray that you would turn their hearts 
back to you. Some of them for the first time to be saved. But Lord, as they turn to you, they would turn the hearts of the people back to you. That you'd fill our nation with pastors and shepherds that will preach the truth in love and in righteousness. And Lord, trust you to water and bring the results and bring the fruit. And Lord, as we leave here, I, I pray that you just keep us in your love and in your truth. Use us as salt and light and witnesses in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you are dismissed. Have a blessed